0: Hello, hello, welcome to The V-Hive, your go-to podcast for all things women's intimate health. I'm your host, Hannah, here to discuss the many questions you've always had about your body, but never wanted to ask. Whether it relates to sex, chronic pain, trauma, relationships, healing, hormones, spirituality, and so much more, we are normalizing taboos, breaking down the complexities of the female body and providing you with the information you need to take your health into your own hands. Today, I am here with Dr. Shaheen Gadir. He is a founding partner of the Southern California Reproductive Center. He is board certified in both obstetrics and gynecology, as well as reproductive endocrinology and infertility. I am so excited to have you here today, and I have so many questions for you. So thank you for taking the time to do this.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So tell us more, everyone listening, more about what you do, what reproductive endocrinology is, and how you first got started in this field.
1: Wonderful, so when I was doing my residency in obstetrics and gynecology, I was lucky enough to do a rotation in the area of infertility, which is really, it's reproductive endocrinology, which are all the hormonal aspects of reproduction and also infertility itself, Mm -hmm. and became incredibly interested in the field because I found it to be in really just one of the fastest-growing areas of medicine. Caught my interest from the second I started to get involved. I was lucky enough to get accepted to one of the top fertility fellowship programs in the country. At that time, I was the one fellow that covered all of UCLA and Cedar sinai mm-hmm. Now there are two different fellowship programs, um, which sadly, they, I mean, they can't get the benefit from all of what I did. And I got a job at the clinic where we rotate through, which is Southern California Reproductive Center where I'm a founding partner now. And that is the largest fertility center on the west coast of the United States. And we are also the location that does all of the fertility treatments for all of UCLA's doctors, Cedars doctors, and about 29 other doctors in town.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Did you just know from the beginning that reproductive endocrinology was really what you wanted to do?
1: I did not. I actually um, really wanted to go into obstetrics and gynecology. Mm -hmm. Because it was just a little bit more of a pleasant area of medicine that really attracted me to it, and I found it being overall um, more reassuring. However, with that being said, um, I fell in love with it from the get-go. Uh-huh. Um, being able to participate in one of the biggest challenges people have in their lives, such as their fertility issues, and getting to the goal of having them helping them have a child is such a rewarding absolutely rewarding job i can't think of anything else in the world that is more rewarding than that
0: yeah it's incredible i mean i have so many questions for you about different fertility treatments and the list goes on but one thing that that i wanted to ask you to begin with is it seems like nowadays more people are having fertility problems and i guess i wonder if if that's true or if people are just talking about it more so it seems like more people are having trouble
1: both are true Uh Um, so to be very honest people are having more fertility problems because more and more women these days are waiting to older and older ages to try to have a family some people probably have the myth that no matter what they do later they could just go to a clinic and have a baby Um, also people are it's not there is no the stigma that was there with it is much less these days and people are doing very very um well and doing things that mean a lot in terms of opening about it and talking about it and people in the press talking about it so it's actually really um something wonderful to know right now that people are open about it so it sounds like people are just talking about it
0: more often Mm -hmm but there actually are more people having fertility issues as well
1: there are again yeah because people age-related causes are huge
0: and is that is that one of the main things that you see now like um, women just trying to have kids later in life and that presents a whole set of difficulties
1: absolutely
0: yeah okay so let's get into talking about egg freezing why would someone freeze their eggs who is the right candidate and yeah we'll we'll start there great question so
1: basically anyone who has the smallest inkling or desire or chance that wants to have a child who has hit an age, which I recommend 30, Mm -hmm. um, earlier than 30 is always better. But once you hit 30, you really need to start considering it because there are some patients that we have coming into our office that like 31, 32 have already had a major decline in their fertility. Right. So any woman who wants to have a child who is not ready to do so at this moment is a perfect candidate, perfect candidate um, to basically do this process.
0: Are there any other reasons, I guess, that someone would want to freeze their eggs, besides for age?
1: Yes, um, about, you know, if you're about to do chemotherapy, cancer treatment, major surgery, um, anything that could affect your fertility status in the future, mm-hmm. um, autoimmune suppression, and things like that, those are patients of ours that we know you know, would need to freeze their eggs now or else they're going to destroy the reserve that they have for the future.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you see people coming in in their early 20s, say, to freeze their eggs?
1: Once in a while they do. It's either someone who had maybe a major cyst on the ovary that had to remove the ovary, Mm. or it's someone who potentially um, knows that they are not going to have kids for a while. And that's like the main reason why they want to do that. Right. So we've had kind of, to be honest, all of the above.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you quickly explain, because I have a lot of questions about IVF as well, but if anyone's confused amongst the difference between egg freezing and IVF, can you explain the difference?
1: Absolutely. So IVF in vitro fertilization is the process where we take an egg and a sperm together and fertilize it at an incubator. Try to make an embryo that's about to be used to get someone pregnant or saved for the future. Egg freezing is only the egg, so there is no fertilization outside of the body yet. Mm-hmm. It can happen later when you find Mr. Wright, um, but not now. So, one is egg, just the egg, and one is the egg and the sperm together as an embryo.
0: Got it. Okay. Another question I wanted to ask you, which is something I've been so curious about, and, and you are the perfect person to ask. Have people been freezing their eggs more due to COVID and the vaccine and and everything that's just going on right now in the world?
1: It's a really good question. (laughs) So one of the craziest things ever, Mm -hmm. despite our clinic being closed for almost two months last year, Mm. okay, we did more cases and more egg freezing cases than we ever did before because for once people were settled at home, they didn't have anything else to do, they didn't have to go into their offices all the time so they found it to be a perfect 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 time to do so
0: wow and was it because it like was it because egg freezing was something they had like already wanted to do prior to covid or was yeah. it more of like uh, worried well, a about covid things. yeah you know,
1: for example like my social media channels all became so robust and informative and interactive people started for example to learn more and hear from right. someone like me and then people that were like even thinking about it in the back of their mind, were like, why not just do it now and get it over with? I'm not traveling. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to the office every day. So absolutely perfect timing.
0: Are people worried that about getting the vaccine and that affecting their fertility?
1: They are. And I have to sadly tell people the same exact thing every time. We have zero data on how this affects your egg freezing, your fertility, or anything else. Mm-hmm. But my one line that I tell everyone is, "What other options do you have right now, other than locking yourself inside your home forever?"
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. My dad just got the vaccine, and he's like been locked in in his house forever. And he was like, "It's not that I like necessarily like was dying to get it, but what else am I supposed to do?"
1: I, I don't understand. Like, what are the other options?
0: Right, Nothing. right. That's that's exactly what he said. Do you think that there will be? more data i guess to come out in the near future about this oh for sure yeah okay so let's talk about the difference between freezing eggs versus embryos and why would someone choose to do one amongst the other
1: so most people that are freezing eggs do not have a current partner and do not want to use sperm donor at the moment Mm -hmm. that's why they are freezing their fertility embryos are people that have a sperm partner or are willing to use a sperm donor to proceed with the process say we have two lawyers they just passed the bar both of them finished law school they know that for the next 10 years they are going to be working their butts off and they are not going to be ready for a family until they're closer to 40 each mm-hmm. that is a perfect couple for example
0: people probably ask that a lot like if i freeze my egg what's the process like down the road um when i then so down do the road someone? we yeah.
1: will thaw the egg and introduce the sperm with the egg and make an embryo down the road versus now for mm-hmm. an embryo freezing cycle
0: and then can you walk us through the ivf process
1: yes so it's basically the same exact process on average a woman will do about 10 to 12 days of injections that go into her belly there are tiny little needles that stimulate the pituitary gland to make a lot of eggs. And then those eggs come out under a really light anesthesia in our surgery center. It takes about three to five minutes Mm -hmm. under a sedation. And then the eggs are ready to come out. And then we introduce the sperm and the egg together and let them grow for about a week before they're ready to be biopsied and done with the
0: genetic testing. Are the injections painful? Is the process painful? The injections
1: are the tiniest needle in the world. The number one call we get is people not feeling and not sure if they got the and the medication in their body so that's like the number one most common re- call that we get from people
0: just because they didn't even like feel the needle you're saying
1: yeah barely like, right. no, like but then i tell them look your ovary is responding your estrogen's going up so definitely you're
0: getting it right that's interesting and why would someone who was on the fence about you know going through the ivf process would they choose like Is their chance of getting pregnant higher if they do IVF than if they just want to try naturally for six months or longer? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I think that anyone who wants to have a child in the future, who, whether they have a partner or not, both these scenarios are important ones to consider the either freezing of the egg alone or to do the process when you take, um, for example, and try to do... The embryo right now so those are just two options that are just both for me incredibly important for any reproductive age woman
0: mm-hmm. what is like so if someone has a, you know has their embryo frozen embryos frozen what's the latest age that you would recommend putting that embryo back into someone it, it
1: really depends we've had i had a 54 year old who was in excellent health even though I really encouraged her not to, she really insisted. And every, her cardiologist, her general doctor, her OBGYN, everything, they said it was spotless. She did amazing. Wow. I have 38 year olds that are overweight, diabetic, high blood pressure, and every other aspect that they shouldn't be having kids. And, you know, so it really depends. It's hard to answer that question, it's very individual.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing that I've been finding really interesting and learning a lot more about recently is the male fertility factor. I know that this is an important topic that previously I don't think has been talked about as much as it should be. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the male aspect of fertility for a couple is as important um, as a female is, and it needs to be addressed as importantly and cannot be ignored in any way
0: how does a, a man check their fertility what's like
1: by doing a sperm test so they mm-hmm. do a sperm analysis test and that usually is adequate enough to allow us to figure out how they're doing
0: there are men who listen to this so you know are there any kind of pieces of information you have for the men listening
1: knowledge is always power in my eyes so what, no matter what your question or issue is like you know just waiting till things are going downhill is not the right time to do anything um, in my eyes, I, there. first of all, research has shown that after the age of 40, many men's sperm quality goes down, including increasing the rate of abnormalities in offspring. So before that, I think is a really, really important time to check things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I think for many men are coming in before the age of 40, freezing their sperm, trying to be as proactive as possible in this
0: process. So another important thing that I want to talk about, and I'm curious what you've seen in related to this i'm sure you've seen a lot is the link between stress and infertility and then obviously you know stress and anxiety has been particularly bad for a lot of people the past year but have you seen people who i guess you know have lots of anxiety and depression or you know aren't aren't healthy don't take care of themselves is there a greater link between That and their ability to conceive.
1: I don't know if there's a true link, but I do think there's some link. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think studies have proven it, but I think that for sure, 100%, there is some link.
0: Yeah. Are there any recommendations you have for, you know, things that people can do at home that are like easy and affordable that they can implement into their life to just try um, to the best of their ability, you know, at home to increase their chances of getting pregnant naturally. I I
1: think being in a normal weight range and being as healthy as you can be, obviously not using drugs and you know not using excessive alcohol, not smoking at all, those are all important things that people could do.
0: In terms of like diet or meditation or like any of those like do, do you I think all of those yeah.
1: things are really helpful. It all adds up little by little by
0: little. Right. Another important topic is the LGBTQ community. And I know that you support this community and do a lot of work with couples and individuals in this community. So can you speak a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's an area that I've loved working in and helping patients of mine. And it's an area that I find unbelievable parents that are dedicated to doing anything they need to do to grow their families which I find it to be very, very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a third-party division that helps anyone um, that has a need for egg donation, sperm donation, or surrogacy. And we help people that need any
0: of those. From your work and from working with so many couples, what are some of the... Barriers, I guess, for these groups of people that a heterosexual couple might not face?
1: Well, you know, for a gay couple, they need to find a surrogate and an egg donor. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lesbian couple, they need to find a sperm donor. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot involved there.
0: Yeah. Do people? How do they find those people, typically?
1: We help them. Like... We have a division here in the office that helps people find their donors and their surrogates. Some people like to do the search themselves.
0: If someone is looking for a fertility specialist in a different part of the country or the world, are there certain things that they should look for, certain questions they should ask, you know, in order to go about finding the best doctor?
1: Absolutely. I think it's incredibly important to do your research and make sure that you're finding the best lab with the highest success rate, with doctors that your personality meshes with um, as soon as you can. And Mm -hmm. finding all of those things sometimes can be rather challenging, especially in parts of the country where there's a limited number of fertility doctors. Right. So these are all the most important things that I would be looking for if I was looking for a fertility doctor.
0: In terms of specific questions, is there anything that, that someone should ask, a, a woman or a couple or a man should ask, that really you know, can help identify if this is someone that you would want to trust for this process? I think it's yeah.
1: important to ask the number of IVF cases that the clinic does and that doctor does. I think it's important to look at their success rates. Um, success rates for clinics are sometimes um, placed on the society for assisted reproductive technologies called sart s-a-r-t that's a good place to look as well
0: and then one other thing that i meant to ask you before that i'm just remembering now but um i heard your interview on the skinny confidential podcast which was super interesting and thank you, you. yeah and you spoke on there about another reason that some people i believe it was well you'll you'll clarify but either freeze their eggs or go through the IVF process um, was genetically they could do like BRCA testing and and different genetic testing Um, they could even see the gender of the kid could you talk a little bit more that I was really interested in the BRCA and genetic testing part just because I have some family history in that area
1: yeah for example like if you know that a family member had a genetic disposition to cancer and carries the BRCA gene or if two members the couple both For example like both carry cystic fibrosis genes there's something called single gene mutation testing where we can specifically find which embryo is affected and which embryo is not affected and we obviously choose the unaffected embryos to put back into the mom Mm -hmm. so that way we can kind of weed out a disease and make sure that it's not passed on to a child
0: and so that that's testing the embryo not like not just the egg
1: Correct. It's 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 testing the egg and the sperm together as an embryo, not the egg.
0: Right. Okay. That's super interesting. Is that something that's becoming more common these days?
1: Yeah. People are calling all the time, especially for the BRCA genes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of the cancer disposition genes.
0: Yeah. My parents... No one wants
1: to put their kids at risk for that.
0: Yeah. My parents did all of the BRCA testing um, because breast cancer runs in my family, but fortunately they were both negative, which is... Great, but it is super important to have that information. Yes, I agree. So one of the last questions I have is, you know, beyond the physical toll that IVF and egg freezing has, are there any other pain points or, you know, barriers beyond that, such as, I assume, like cost? I
1: think more and more insurances are covering it these days, which is fantastic to see and to hear. Okay. I think that's really important for us all to know. Um, I do think that, you know, there's uh, options and people need to be aware of their options. And I think it's important to know that you can potentially um, be able to, you know, there's financing. There's there's a lot of things you can do to make it happen. And for that reason, I tell people, just please don't give up.
0: Right, right. Are there any resources that you have to recommend for someone who is trying to go through the the egg freezing or IVF process but might not have all of the resources?
1: Um, Our finance teams help with there are places that give zero percent loans Uh Um, there are lots of places we have special divisions in our practice that literally that's all they do is help with that and help you find out exactly what you're supposed to do.
0: Lastly are there any valuable lessons i'm sure that you've you know taken away so many valuable lessons throughout your work being a reproductive endocrinologist and helping so many couples start families but if there's something you have to share as a takeaway is there anything that comes to mind off the top of your head
1: yeah i have to tell you i think the biggest thing i've learned for women who are interested in their fertility is if, if you're not going to have a child now but you want to freeze your eggs do it today and be done with it by next month yeah. I have had people do a consultation with me and come back two years later right? to do it. All that happened during that time is your chance of success went down, down, down. Um, and for anyone who is concerned about their fertility as a couple, you have nothing to lose by consulting with a reputable knowledgeable fertility specialist, to give you a true recommendation on what to do.
0: Okay, where can everyone follow you on social media and, and contact you? Yeah, everyone you?
1: can follow me on uh, Dr. Shaheen Gadir mm-hmm. um, on Instagram and also on Facebook. It's D-R-S-H-A-H-I-N-G-H-A-D-I-R. Uh, my YouTube channel is also, um, it, it's called Fertility Talk by Dr. Gadir, um, And a lot of the Instagram Lives I've done with people are located there and a lots of talks that we've done and panels we've done are all there.
0: Amazing. Well, I really appreciate you being here. I'm excited for everyone to listen to this and learn a lot because I know I learned a lot and this is all really important information. So thank you again.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.